Hey, welcome back to the next installment of the W. Noah. I think this is number six, although why bother counting anymore? I've got Heather Cohen here today. Heather Cohen, what's going on? Well, where should I start? How much time do you have? (laughs) Hopefully enough, um, but I'm sure we can make do with what we have. First off, tell me why you're here. Tell the listeners why I'm interviewing you today, who you are and what's coming up. Well, recently I was featured in a uh, show that is on uh, Discovery Plus. It's called Secret Lies and Private Eyes. And so uh, myself and the other ladies that are featured on the show have just kind of been trying to get out there and spread the word and get everybody hyped and excited about the show. So go watch it. I'm certainly hyped and excited myself. (laughs) I watched the trailer for it. And I know you were talking about this back in the spring. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wasn't entirely sure what to expect because you kept referring because, you know, you and I have known each other. We, we met earlier this year, mm-hmm. you know, and you would mention, oh, I've got this show coming out, this show coming out. And despite the fact that, you know, I knew you, I, you were still very ominous to me. Like I, I, I knew very little about you. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know if, if this was something tangible or if it was just kind of a, a daydream. I don't know. Maybe you were schizophrenic or something like that. <laughs> like, well, okay. She's, she, I, she's Explains a, a lot. Yeah, she's amusing. <laughs> you know, but I don't know if I'm ever going to see this fucking show. But no, the show is out and it, it has an official trailer. It does. And um, a series that follows that trailer. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's not a figment of my imagination. But then again, who knows? I can't tell the difference between figments and man- my imagination in reality these days anymore. So... <laughs> You know, you have good company and insanity. You're holding a gun. You got a great gun right there. Thank you. And you got a badge. I do. Look at that. So you mm-hmm. investigate people. You're a personal investigator. A private investigator, personal whatever. Private investigator. How'd you get into that? <laughs> um, well, I guess the short version of that story is that I started volunteering in a missing person case back in 2011. And after a couple... I don't know, months or so of it, I realized I kind of had a knack for extracting information from people. Have you ever seen that show, Lucifer? Uh, On Netflix? Yeah, I I work at a youth rehab center and those kids watch it religiously. Yeah. Yeah, uh So he has this way, it's like this hypnotizing thing. He looks at people and says, so what is it that you desire? Like, I kind of think of myself like that. (laughs) It's bizarre, but like people just tell me things and I realize that. And the devil wears pumps. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's just it's just this really interesting talent that I have of connecting with people. And um, I think law enforcement can be really intimidating, you know, and people don't like to talk talk to law enforcement. But you'll be really surprised how quickly they'll talk to a private investigator, you know, if when they know that that they can trust that person that they're not in trouble, they're not going to get arrested. Um, so yeah. I just kind of realized I had this gift and went with it. All right. I mean, enough of a gift that they would make a TV show out of it. Apparently. I don't know. People watch anything these days. Well, I'm I'm definitely going to be watching this. um, And I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the show because I watched the trailer. I deliberately did not watch the episodes. Having said that, I didn't know it was out yet, but I was sent the episodes by your manager. Um, And I did not watch them because... I want you to tell me, as well as everybody else who hasn't seen them, mm-hmm. what I don't know yet. Okay. I want 
Well, I don't want to, spoiler alert, I don't want to tell people, you know, what, because then they won't want to go watch it. They won't have to watch it. Do you shoot anybody? No, no. Then it's not worth watching. It does get pretty intense, though, a couple times. Yeah, you had this really morose countenance at one point in time in the trailer where you're sitting down. You're almost in tears. Mm-hmm. I remember that shot in mm-hmm. particular. I was like, "What the fuck's making her cry?" Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, I mean, I, I didn't know she could cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's still cold. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Um, well, so there's one major case that they follow um, of mine in the show. Um, I'm one. Of, I'm actually one of four uh, female private investigators that they're following in the show, and so. Um, I believe I appear in four of the six episodes for season one. Um, So the first two episodes, they're following one of my major cases. It's a criminal defense case. And long story short, the person being charged with the crime um, shot and killed another individual. And my job as part of the defense team is to prove that it was uh, self-defense. Okay. And was this the suspect that mm-hmm. you went and saw this morning? No. Okay, because no. you were in court this morning. I, well, I was, but that's something different. Okay. Um, Are you allowed to talk about that? I can, I mean, that's personal, actually. Okay. Um, so it's another, uh, it's a cold case that I was working that, that I've actually been involved with now for um, three years. Okay. And the people that I was looking at, my POIs, so to speak, um, which means when I say that, I mean they're not necessarily law enforcement's POIs, but they were mine. POI, Um, what's that? Person of interest. Okay. And um, so basically, uh, they got real pissed off that I was investigating them. What were you investigating for? A murder. Murder somebody you know? No. Not somebody I know. Um, it's a it's a cold case. It's it's actually quite an old case, and I don't want to go into details too much about it. Um, but it it's a woman that was murdered back in 2011, and I got involved with the case in 2018, and uh, I've received some leads that pointed to these individuals and I started investigating them and they found out and they didn't like that too much. And so they did um, everything that they could to try to veer me away from investigating them and see, I'm the type of person that if you tell me nothing to see here, I'm looking harder there, Mm -hmm. you know? So the more that they tried to, um, you know, intimidate me and push me away from looking in their direction, the harder I looked in their direction it ended up resulting in um, a lot of legal uh, things, um, legal cases. There's um, a couple civil suits, and I filed a stalking charge against them. So that's what I was in court for this morning. How'd it go? Um, it was, you know, this is a second appearance where um, they were there, and both times they just stare me down. And... Um, It's a little intimidating, Um, but, you know, just because, especially because, you know, when you really think about it, it's like, okay, if I'm right about these people and what they, you know, what I believe that they did and what I believe they're involved in, then, I mean, this is no laughing matter. Well, yeah, you're surrounded by dangerous people is what it seems. It's never a dull moment. No, no. I mean, do you ever feel threatened? Do you ever fear for your life? Um, yes. (laughs) 
Yeah, I do. Um, but I just pull up my big girl britches and keep going. And um, I just figure, you know, somebody's got to buck up. Somebody's got to stand up to the bullies, to the, you know. So that's what I do. I mean, you know, you can't let fear stop you. Sure. Sure. I guess that'll be the major takeaway. Don't let fear stop you because mm-hmm. it hasn't stopped you yet. You're alive and well here. You walked in in these boots and, you know, this uh, fuck you attitude, which, <laughs> you know, has clearly kept you alive um, for a very long time. Fuck you attitude, not toward me by any means, but... Um, I don't know <laughs> how, but somehow it's worked for me. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, and clearly, um, you know, caused you to think I'm either schizo or... <laughs> well, it takes one to know one, so okay. <laughs> don't take it personally. Um, all right, so your defense, this guy, girl, whomever you are dealing with, on is this who you're primarily dealing with on the show? Like when we are watching your segment, is it circulating around this suspect that you were on the defense team for? Um, okay. Circling back around to the previous conversation, because that has nothing to do with the court today. No, no. Okay, just making sure. Um, yes, the major case that I'm working, it does circle around this one particular um, person, yes. Okay. What did this person allegedly do? Um, shot another man, um, and and he does admit that he shot him. And oh, he, really? Yes. He, that's I was about not, to ask you: Do you genuinely believe that he did it? He, yeah, and he he knows he did. What did he shoot him for? Um, there was an altercation, and I, you know, again, I don't want to tell too much because then people won't have to go of course. watch it. But there was an altercation, and the question, the big question, is who was the aggressor? Um, the big question is: Was you know, did he shoot this person out of self defense, or was it? you know, cold-blooded murder, basically. Sure. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you at very least are sympathizing with this man mm-hmm. to the degree that you feel distressed when you see that he's in jeopardy. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, you believe that there is some kind of human pathos going on in there, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he had to take somebody's life for one reason or another, whether it was, I mean, justified. I'm, everybody always says justified as if it's some kind of a tangible thing mm-hmm. to... You know, objectively declare when in reality, it's like if somebody's dead, if somebody's murdered because of one moment, it's like, how do you really define what is justification? What is not? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Does it, you know, it, is it justified if there is any sort of malicious intent? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how do you know if somebody wasn't just capitalizing on the opportunity to kill somebody that they didn't like in the first place when nobody else was there? And I'm just speculating here. Mm-hmm. I'm not making any sort of grand sweeping declarations about anybody who's been in that position because obviously I haven't, or at very least I have not been caught yet. Um, <laughs> I bury the bodies deep enough. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So I need to be looking at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> okay. It's funny. I make these jokes and I realize how often people take them seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I guess I have to be careful because I made a lot of jokes about being a virgin recently and Hey, Tony, what's up? <laughs> I can tell by looking at you that that is a lie. <laughs> that I don't is, even I don't even need a statement analysis expert for that. That is the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. But no, it was funny because I was actually with Tony the other night. I was. Wait, what? Yeah. Like with him how? It was. Tony, <laughs> what are we talking about listen, right now? Listen, can you come over here and explain that? Can you speak into the mic? All right. Thank what you very exactly much. I'm so happy. About? Yeah. Maybe I'm dumb for uh, believing him, but I think Luke successfully duped me. And because <laughs> I didn't, um, 
I don't know. I maybe I trusted you too well, uh, unlike other people. And he would always joke about being a virgin all the time. And I think it was on Louis' episode. And for some reason, I was just like, "Oh, really?" I mean, I you know, I don't know. I'm not going to judge anyone for their past. And apparently, I don't know him well enough. Well, anything's possible. I mean, except me being a virgin, apparently. Yeah, very high. You know, highly unlikely is all I have to say. Oh, that's again nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Um, no, I'm not a virgin, and there are you know plenty of look out, ladies. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was gonna say plenty of animals out there who can attest to that, but <laughs> it's another joke nobody should fucking take seriously. I'm sorry, I'm done with virginity and bestiality jokes. I want to hear about what else is going on. So, um, what I, I, shit, man, like there's only so much you can divulge right here right now because no one's seen the show, but why did they decide that they were going to make a show about what you're doing? Why was it so interesting? And how do they compile different personalities into one? You guys all work for the same person or what? No. Um, and it's interesting because they came to me and I just, I received an email one day asking me if I would be interested in doing the show. And, you know, maybe, maybe um, I'm kind of like you in the way that I'm pretty cynical. I don't always, you know, I, I, it probably has something to do with the fact that we live in Nashville. Like prior to this, I was an aspiring musician, of course, because everybody in this town, you know, I've got doctors slash musician, lawyers slash musician, you know, whatever. Everybody is a musician also in, um, in addition to whatever it is they do in their real life. Um, sorry to all the music. I don't, and then there are just musician musicians, of but, course. but you get what I'm well, saying. I know you are a musician as well. Well, thank you. But, but, um, a good one too, but as well, thank you. But, you know, as a musician in this town for many years before I, you know, got my, uh, degrees and my license and all that, um, I kind of learned that, uh, you just don't get excited about anything until, you know, it's, actually happening right in front of you. That's so damn true. I can't tell you how many times I got record deals and you can't see my fingers floating above my head in these uh, quotation mark, you know, but these, uh, you know, how many times I get a record deal and I make this big announcement and tell everybody, I got a record deal and, you know, get so excited. I'm about to be on the radio and go on tour and stuff. And then it'd fall through and you just feel, you know, so stupid, you know, just for telling everybody. So I was with the show I really didn't get excited about it. Um, and the producers kept asking me, are you excited yet? Are you?" Because I mean, like, I'm just, you know, whatever. And uh, I didn't get excited until literally until it aired. And then I'm like, oh, okay, it's really happening. Um, but I don't even know if I just answered your question. Well, more, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I would have ultimately asked the question that yeah. would have required the answer you just gave me anyway. Um, but how did the show actually come to fruition? Who looked at you and was like, yeah, I want to make a show about you. Right. So I guess that's kind of, I, I got a little off, but that's kind of where I was going. Like they just reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to be um, one of the PIs that they feature on the show. And I was like, yeah, okay. All right. Sure. Okay. You know, whatever. And, uh, you know, like I said, didn't get too excited about it, but they did this like elimination process where they interviewed, I don't know how many people, but so many people. And then they kept saying, okay, you've made it to the next round. You've made it to the next round. And then boom, you got it. So, um, and like I said, it was myself and, um, uh, Renee Brewer is also from the area. Um, she's from, I I believe Hermitage, but, uh, 
The other two private investigators are from the Atlanta area, I believe. Um, But, you know, the funny thing is that I didn't know them and they didn't know me. And I actually didn't even know who was on the show other than me until it aired and I watched it. And Renee and I have since linked up a little bit and um, she's sent me some work, which is really cool. Um, But yeah, I mean... It's very, very interesting how it worked out. I think uh, I've made some new friends from it, but I didn't know them prior to. Sure, sure. And that's great. That really is. I mean, um, like you said, you're working with a few other women here, uh, Renee included. What are their other cases? What What are they investigating? Is it all murder? Um. Well, let's see. I have the one major case, and then they follow me on two bounty hunting gigs. Um, no, actually... Three, sorry. They follow me. And so that's, um, you know, episodes one, two, uh, four, and five that okay. I'm in. And then the cases that they feature are, I, I know there's a, I think there's a missing person case maybe. Um, there's a missing person case and I want to say two murder cases uh, other than mine. And then there's like one or two cheating spouse cases. <laughs> All across the spectrum. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's um, there's even one where um, a guy ripped somebody off and they're trying to hunt him down. And Okay. So I don't, there's, yeah. I think they did a really good job of trying to, I think they did a, a really good job of showing the uh, various things that a private investigator can do. Sure. Um. Because it is a lot. Yeah. This is an organic dose of what actually goes on in the world of private investigating. You know what I mean? It's not just grabbing all of the bells and whistles and the pizzazz and throwing it right in everyone's face and saying, look at how intense this is. Um, you know, I, I actually admire the fact that they can make it interesting to make a spectrum of murder to cheating spouses. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when all is said and done, both things piss people off, <laughs> depending on which situation you've ever been in. You know, no one wants to get murdered. <laughs> no one wants to get cheated on, but, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, so. But when it happens, you should call us. Okay, <laughs> I'll bear that in mind any, if I ever get murdered. <laughs> um, what's a situation you've ever been in when you have actually like, feared for your life? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where you've actually thought you might have to use that gun on your head? Um, there was a bounty hunt that I was on here in Nashville. It was the Bordeaux area, and I was just hellbent on finding this girl, which part What'd she do? What'd she do? Uh, I mean, she had a rap sheet a mile long and uh, I don't remember specifically, but, you know, I was looking for her because she had jumped her bond, but, you know, she had had many charges in several counties around Nashville. And so there, I think I want to say she had several, several warrants out for her at the time. And How she, old was she? Uh, um, maybe late twenties, early thirties. Okay. Not terribly old, but, um, she, uh, she was hiding out in some pretty sketchy places. Like what? Crack houses? Yeah. Trap houses. Mm-hmm. Nice. And so I was pretty much camping out in okay. Bordeaux looking for her because I had, I knew the vicinity, um, where she was staying and, you know, she was running the streets and uh, I believe doing some, you know, turning some tricks and stuff. Sure. 
And so I was watching for, and, um, I, there was a, a person associated with her, closely associated with her, who was a gang member. Mm-hmm. And um, he was getting really upset because I was pretty much stalking them. And, um, and so other gang members and drug dealers in the area were getting pissed off at them because they felt like they were bringing heat um, to the neighborhood. Well, to that they area. were. Mm-hmm. And so um, he got pretty uh, aggressive with me one night. And um, oh, so he knew who you were. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I had talked to him a couple times. And um, that, yeah, that night he was leaning in my car. And I know he, he had his hand on his gun. He hadn't pulled it out of his pants yet, but he had his hand on it. And he was, and, you know, calling me names and threatening me. What and was whatnot. he calling you? Um, White bitch, you know, <laughs> no. whatever. <laughs> yeah. He went there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fucking white bitch, get your ass out of here. Whatever he was saying, <laughs> I don't remember. But I mean, you know, of course me, I'm just like, hey, dude, you know, like I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a threat to you. I'm not after you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's cool, you know. And he's like, no, you know, you're, because I guess it gotten kind of bad for him and his girl. And like, um, I think his girl actually got hurt and it had something to do with, you know, them knowing that I was there because of them. And, so, yeah, I thought I honestly thought I was reaching for my gun, and I honestly thought he was going to shoot me. So, sure, that was pretty rough. Yeah, I I left after that. And that you know, it wasn't. I I had worked that case for so long and never found her. The cops did end up getting her eventually. Um, I want to say a week or two later, and probably had a lot to do with them for me. You know, because I had been filling them in on where she had been spotted and stuff, but. Um, but I didn't get her, which means I didn't get paid. Mm-hmm. And um, so got, all that time. You, you, you got compensated by being able to live another day, I suppose, yeah, if you want to look yeah, at it one way. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was paid with uh, my life. but Your lovely uh, schizophrenic mm, life. Yes. That's the next show we should, you should do, My Lovely Schizophrenic my lovely Life. schizophrenic <laughs> life, yeah. You and all your, your one character that is like 10 characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, all story. the voices in your head, True what story. have you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sometimes, you know, because I worked several cases at one time and just even last night, um, I actually called my client first thing in the morning, told her, um, and I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I should be telling you about my dreams, but, you know, it's like I eat, sleep and breathe these cases. And so, of course, I dream about them also. And, um, and as I'm going to sleep, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm running through all the things and, and it is kind of like voices cause I'm replaying conversations in my head over and over and over. And it's just this constant noise. It's got to drive you insane sometimes. Yeah. Like, does it take a kind of person to actually be able to endure that? I think so. That, that kind of high strung lifestyle. That Absolutely. Is, you know, I mean, there, there, there's no. If you want to look at a certain way, there's really no slack to that string where, I mean, you, you know that you're going to have to go back into a certain situation and I'm sure it's not always life-threatening situations, but I mean, for the love of God, you got to hide in the shadows. You know what I mean? Consistently. And you know, what's funny about that is that my mentor, um, my mentor, Sheila Wysocki, I love her, just love her to death. She's a wonderful woman. Um, and I met her through that case I was telling you about earlier in 2011 when I got involved and that's kind of what led to me becoming a private investigator. She was the PI that was hired by the family and then the family connected me with her and she became my mentor and all, you know, uh, so the story goes. But Sheila taught me 
um, in this profession that the best place to hide is in the spotlight. Oh. Not in the shadows. Because it's like the Michael Corleone thing. Keep your enemies closer. Well, and I think, you know, with dangerous cases, it's like the more people that know, don't be quiet. Because then they do away with you. They've done away with the problem. It goes mm-hmm. away. Sure. But the more people you tell, and you know, you get in front of the spotlight and you make sure that everybody knows what you know, that's the best place to hide. Mm, it's a camouflage effect. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Very poetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I really admire this. Again, this is something that you talk to me about a lot. Like, um, you say, oh, you know, I'm down in Atlanta investigating this person. I'm down, you know, as if you were going out for coffee or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, what an interesting life. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and it really is remarkable because you've done a lot. You have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were a musician. Um, you, w- what else have you done? Because, I mean, you've spent, you, okay, you got a, you got a tattoo on your belly. Because you were on Ink Master with Dave Navarro. <laughs> um, I was actually on Ink Angels. Oh. Ryan Ashley, which is way better than Dave Navarro. Oh, it's better. It's not better. It's not worse. Well, you know who Ryan Ashley is, right? I know who Ryan Adams is. Well, Ryan Ashley. I know who Ryan Kneisel is. She's the, That's my friend. She's a female um, tattoo artist. Okay. And yeah, I don't know. She's just, I have a, I have a girl crush on her. All right. Do you like women? <laughs> I can't, no. <laughs> I appreciate women. I appreciate the female body, of sure, course. Sure, sure. Um, it's much more, you know, graceful and beautiful, of course, than, you know, male body. But, you know, I mean, there's there's a difference between appreciating and, you know, like is such a loose term. Do I get down with women? No. Okay. All right. So we clear that up. <laughs> yes. yeah, totally. And I'm married now, so I don't get down. Yeah, you just got married, didn't you? I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. When did that happen? Uh, September 24th. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, my parents just celebrated their 35th anniversary Sunday. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a long time. It my really God. is. I told them, I said, what the hell's wrong with you guys? Why don't you take a break or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? That's, hard. that's horrible if I... I know, I know. Maybe that's why I'm 30 years old and not married myself. Um... But no, they're... 30 is so young, though. Yeah. You're a baby. Who's counting, right? Again, yeah. I mean, episodes, years of your life, you know, might as well not count as live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, so far, so good for both of us, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, you were just married. Mm-hmm. What'd you guys do? Did you lope or what? Yeah, we just, you know, we're both... He's 39, I'm 44, and we've both been married before, and we really didn't see the point and the bells and whistles and, you know, making a big deal of it. That's and great. Then, you know, our family would just be like, oh, God, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They'd throw their gifts at us and be like, oh, have a nice, you know, life. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just figured it, you know, it just made a lot more sense to sure. just do it. Good for you guys. Yeah, I've seen pictures of this guy. He looks like he could fuck somebody. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah. looks like a bounty hunter himself. Yeah, well, he um, he has a very Viking look about him. Yeah, he does. Uh, he's got the long dreads and the tattoos. And yeah. I just, I think, yeah, he's he's my type. I mean, sure. Um, if, if so many people have said, um, you know, when they see pictures of us, like you two look like you're made for each other. Pretty much, yeah. I need a real savage, and he's definitely that. Yeah, yeah. You got the. Um, Thor and Helen of Troy from hell is, you know, what we can <laughs> yeah. call you too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I but like that. Congratulations to you. And you. if you're listening, what's his name? Chop. Mm-hmm, yeah. Chop. Congratulations to you, Chop. That's, <laughs> that's great. Um, all right. So you private investigating musician, mm-hmm. all of these things. Um, and you also used to strip. Is that right? You want to go way back. This is going to be of all the interviews. This one's going to be like 
the most, um, arguably the most interesting well, and controversial. We're not going to waste each other's time. That's the idea. No, yeah. no, might as uh-huh. well be real. Um, I actually wrote a book, so it's not something that you know I'm trying to hide. I think that our stories are the most valuable thing that we own in this life. Um, they make us, you know, our experiences, our lessons make us who we are. I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be here without those experiences. So mm-hmm. I'm not, um, you know, closed off to sharing them. Sure. In fact, I I would lo- I love to share them. Here's your um, chance. Huh? Here's your chance. Yeah. Uh, so I was a troubled teen. Um, I had a lot of problems at home. I started running away very early in life, and um, I got wrapped up in the juvenile system. And spent the last two years of my uh, youth in a children's home. And then... What's your youth? You mean like 16 to 18? uh, No. Actually, in Missouri, where I grew up, 17 was when you were an adult and able to live on your own. So when I turned 17, they opened the door and said, see you in the adult system. Okay. And I flipped them the bird and said, the fuck you will. Hell yeah. (laughs) And somehow or another, I managed to, you know, stay out of it. I don't know how, because I probably should have gone to jail a time or two, but... Uh, Instead, you send people to jail right. in your stead. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know, I mean, it happens. You know, we all you, you live and you learn and trial by um, trial by error. And um, so yeah, I I got out of the children's home and and I started stripping at seventeen. What was your stripper name? Uh, I had a couple. Um, I started out Sierra and then I was Raven and Oh yeah. Raven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was Raven for many, many, many years. In fact, I feel more like Raven than Heather. That's cool. Um, yeah. Honestly, I have a huge Raven tattoo on my back. And, um, so yeah, so I started out Sierra, then I was Raven and, um, I went to LA, tried to pursue, uh, an acting career for a while and, uh, LA chewed me up and spit me out. LA has a habit of doing that. Oh, Lord. I honestly, if I'd stayed there, I probably wouldn't be here today. Sure. I think I'd definitely be dead. But yeah. um, I, I was there for a little under a year, went back to Missouri, continued stripping, uh, and I stripped for a very, very long time. Probably made a shitload of money, didn't you? Oh, if I could have that money now. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, it wasn't nothing but a thing back then to, you know, go to the bar and blow $500 on a tab for me and all my friends. And, sure. you know, that's when it didn't. But now it's like, my gosh, if I could make $1,000 in a night, uh, that'd be great. Yeah. You know, and not really have to do anything for it either. I'm, I'm not trying to like promote like, hey, girls, go, you know, get a job at the local strip club. I'm not trying to uh, glamorize it or anything because it is, you know... Um, you meet some troubled people. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 rough. It's a rough crowd. It's a rough life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the hardest part of it is to treat it like a job and not a lifestyle. Sure, a lot of and, drugs, what mm-hmm. have you, and you a lot know. of opportunity to get caught up in bad things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you said you know you're from Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you probably can't mention any names or anything, but you <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you know some. some you you, you spent yeah, yeah. time in rooms at very least with some affiliated people. I know where you're going. Naturally, and yeah. Yeah, I grew I grew up around some uh, some um, very Italian men. <laughs> Luke's Italian. Yeah, so. my paisanos. Yeah, but uh, so you know, Tony. That was 
that was to me, you know, I dated, I dated a couple of uh, mafia guys and dare I say that. And I mean, to me, it was like the sexiest thing in the world that, that kind of just bad boy power, you know, like I thought that was really hot, but, um, you know, looking back on it, it's like, wow, I really, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just lucky. I'm lucky to be here. Sure. I suppose a dance with the devil is a very hot dance, but Mm -hmm. ultimately he will outdance you. Yeah, 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 but a lot of a lot of friends um, weren't so lucky. Sure. Uh, so you know people who have actually died. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and, of their affiliations with the affiliated. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say that it's because of you know. I, <laughs> we'll just do those quotation marks again. They committed suicide. Oh you know? yeah. So yeah. Um, uh-huh. With so, the, the cinder blocks on their feet, committed suicide yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't. Um, I that. Uh, don't know, don't want to know. That's my stance. Sure. Don't know, don't want to know. Uh, have I had some thoughts and some speculation? Sure. Mm-hmm. But I, that's, you know, and that's as far as I want to take it. I don't want to know. Well, if there's anything you guys do want to know, read her book. Right. What's your book called? Memoirs of the Justice Warrior. When did you write this? Um, It was a work in process. Or, I'm sorry, it was a... <laughs> It was a work in progress for a very, very long time. And that's awful because it's under 100 pages. Mm. But I wrote it and rewrote it so many times over the past um, several years. And uh, (coughs) I did remove a lot of what you were just talking about, you know, that was originally in the book. I ended up taking a lot of that out because I just didn't feel right to talk about. and, um, And I didn't really see the point in it. But I, what I do talk about is kind of just my upbringing mm-hmm. and um, my home life, my childhood, and um, how it evolved into, you know, just kind of the domino effect of my, you know, my, my whole life. And then, sure. and then it ends on, you know, talking about uh, some of the cases that I've worked. And it's a part one. It's going to be a series. So, Your book, you mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I already have part part two started, and uh, and I do plan to um, talk about some of my cases, but yeah. I just can't. Some of the things that I want to put in in part two, I can't talk about yet. Of course. So I'm waiting for these things to kind of come to fruition before I can talk about them. A lot of ominous and energy around what you're doing, what you have done, and. Mm-hmm. I think that plays in your favor in the sense that where you say, I can't talk about this, people are going to want to know in the spectrum of things, Mm -hmm. you know, so that really does work in your favor very organically. Um, And I finally, it's funny because, you know, people talk about those who have grown up in the quote unquote system Mm -hmm. as if they know a damn thing about it when in reality they fucking don't. Right. You know, um, you say you were in group homes, Mm -hmm. you say uh, people looked at you and said, see you in the adult system and Mm -hmm. you said, fuck you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of thing. And it's a very funny, ironic twist of events in the sense that, you know, everybody was saying, you're going to be, essentially, you're going to be in jail. You're going to be a jailbird. You are mm-hmm. now s- exacting justice, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really cool thing and furthermore, a beautiful poetic thing. Um, and that's why I want to get to know you in this regard. I want people to get to know you is because, you know, there's so much to the you know, primordial origins of somebody, uh, because obviously you're here now, you're very composed, you're very successful and you're very kind and what have you. And I think that there's 
a lot of forces at play presently and in the past that has, you know, that have brought you to this point. Um, I'm really happy you're here. And I don't know. I'm just rambling on, but <laughs> I, I, you know, that's why I wanted to know all these things about you. It's very fucking exciting. Well, thank you. Yeah. I pegged the term justice warrior. I've actually got it tattooed on my um, clavicles here. Sure. But, you know, in a way, as you were talking, I was thinking, in a way, I'm more of a um, intervention. Like, I I feel like I what I do a lot of is intervening in injustice, which is, you know, fighting for justice in sure. a way. But, but people don't always understand what justice means, you know. And how would you define justice? Well, justice is... I mean, obviously, it's being held accountable for wrongdoing. But, you know, a lot of times people get so gung-ho about just they just want somebody to fry for certain things. And, you know, they get so gung-ho about it. But And and they hate the people, you know, like myself, the defense that are, you know, trying to prove this person didn't do it or it was self-defense or whatever it is, you know, whatever it is that makes them innocent of this crime. Sure. But it's just as much of an injustice for the wrong person to fry or a person who was just trying to defend themselves to fry. Who was it who said better? Oh, Christ. It was something to the degree of, you know, better a hundred guilty men go free than one innocent man, mm-hmm. you know, you know, go to jail, essentially. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I think, I, yeah. I should know this because I'm <laughs> like such a fucking libertarian, but I believe it was one of the, the you know, the founding fathers who said that. Um that's just what it came sounds to mind. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, exactly. Because essentially when an innocent man loses his life to the system, when he goes to prison for a crime he didn't commit, then another life has been lost. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's the same. I mean. Well, that's a really interesting thing that you say that because it is an unpopular opinion mm-hmm. to sympathize with the quote-unquote defense in that regard um and i you know because everyone's like well you know you're a scumbag you're defending this person who who did this did this you're just trying to get them get them off and um what have you and i think that there's more to it than that and i spoke to a friend of mine who was going into defense law in that regard and this was years ago and she and i were sort of saying the same thing in the sense that you know it keeps the justice system from like a big part of defense keeps the justice system from running strictly on hysteria mm-hmm. in the sense that mm-hmm. somebody that everybody wants to believe is in, you know, is guilty and deserves every bit of the hammer. Based at, on media. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, and, and they're, it's essentially, you know, our entire system of justice is based on everybody getting a fair trial, you know, and, um, you know, all the evidence being acknowledged, uh, and nothing going unaccounted for. And I, I, I feel that that is the primary purpose, you know, the venerable purpose of the defense mm-hmm. in the sense that you're making sure that everybody is getting a fair trial because quite honestly, even if criminals are not getting a fair trial, ultimately that is going to bloom into innocent people not getting a fair trial mm-hmm. in the sense is that we are deliberately dismantling the prosecuting system because we want to believe that somebody is 
immediately guilty and furthermore deserves, mm-hmm. you know, unabashed punishment. Guilty until proven innocent instead of the other way around. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, really the public needs to be more hands-on. People need to be more hands-on and more aware instead of just taking what, you know, is put in front of them as gold, you know? Yeah. Um, when you really start to question and look at the facts and dissect things and think for yourself, it's really eye-opening. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, in a way, um, because a lot of the cases that I've worked, I've found some serious problems with the investigation. Sure. Um, where, you know... I find myself having to question the integrity of law enforcement. And that's really important. I mean, there has to be a checks and balances because, you know, if the people are asleep and not paying attention to, um, well, the their elected officials and the authorities and, you know, what they're doing, um, you know, then that's how, um, that's how, that's how they get away with corruption. There is yeah. I feel like, you know, I'm scared to say the word, oh, you no, know, corruption. No, I completely agree. But um, there's just, there's a lot of it. And, um, oh, I'm going to have to do some referral to Boondock Saints because... Bring you know, it on, because you got you know, your new Boondock yeah, Saints tattoo here. My burritos. Yeah, uh-huh. um, But in Boondock Saints, you know, the pastor in the beginning of the movie, he's saying, you know, that um, there are two types of evil. You know, and he's saying, uh, I can't quote because I can't remember the exact words, but he's basically saying I think that, I can because when I was I'll like 16, I was like obsessed with that movie. It's like, oh God, what he's, he ends it with, there is one other kind of evil, the indifference of good men. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. The <laughs> indifference like, of good men. It's yes. so funny. I love that you bring that movie up and then that you have the tattoo because I do still love that movie, but it's like the shittiest movie. <laughs> I love it. I do too. I just love it. It's like, it's a friend of mine was making fun of me recently. He's like, he's like, dude, you were so obsessed with that stupid movie when you were in high school. It's a great movie. It is, but it's one of those, it's one of those shitty, awesome movies. It's a cult classic. You know what I mean? Like the story's kind of cheesy and everything. Like Clockwork Orange. You're you're like, wait, why? Oh, no way. No way. We're not going there. (laughs) Clockwork Orange is, Clockwork Orange is gold. Stanley Kubrick, we will not hurt him. No. But it's like, everybody's obsessed, but it's like, Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, it's funny. It's also kind of ironic because in that movie, they're taking justice into their own hands. You yeah. know what I mean? They're yeah. discarding the penal system because they think that it's flawed and what have you. And, and, it, and it is, you know, in many respects, it very much is. But um, that's why I really admire the work that you're doing is because you are reinforcing this system of ri- ideally rigid checks and balances you know what I mean? That everybody kind of wants to discard, especially right here, right now. Everyone's, everyone has a right to be pissed. You know what I mean? Whether it's murderers, rapists, um, sex offenders, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it can be very dangerous to just assume somebody's guilt based on the fact that they probably did it. Like, that is the reason why we have all... That's why we have the justice system that we do, and it's not ideal by any means. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But it's it's the same notion of, of, of a scientific inquiry where it's like unless we have the proof, the reasonable proof to back a fact, then unfortunately this this fact is kind of null. You know what I mean? Or at the very least it doesn't it, do, it doesn't level up. Um, and that's why I think that 
this is a very important rehashing of the justice system. And, and, and it's, it's a great thing to have you here to talk about it because you're obviously very intuitive in regards to it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. But yeah, the, um, back to what we were saying, you know, the indifference that is, yep. that is just as bad. And, you know, people need to really be more aware of what's going on with their, you know, home, hometowns. Or, I mean, some of these cases like Gabby Petito, it's a really big deal right now. It's a national case and everybody's obsessed with it. But I think... And that's Can I tell o- you the truth? Yeah, you don't know what... Yeah. I, I honestly, because I have deliberately sort of tuned out of the yeah. news at this point in time. I know fuck all about this. this so do me a favor at very least. Uh-huh. Everyone's probably laughing at me right now. For and saying tell I don't you about know. Gabby Petito. What the hell's going on with that? Yes. Okay. Well, Gabby Petito was, uh, I believe, 22 years old and she was on a van life road trip with her fiance, Brian Laundrie. And um, Brian returned to his home in Florida in the van that actually belonged to Gabby without Gabby. And um, they did end up finding her body. And uh, Brian is since missing also, presumably running from the law. The FBI is looking for him. And from Dog the Bounty Hunter. Go figure, that's what I know about it. Look, I would be out there looking for him, but I'm just kind of like, okay, everybody and their brother is looking for him. Yeah, and you had to be on this podcast. You didn't have time to go look for him today. Yeah, Yeah, uh I couldn't, but... Um, yeah. And, and, and I have gotten message people who are like, Hey, go look for me. <sighs> yeah. You know what? But here's the thing. This guy's off the grid. Sure. And you know, he's, he's probably moving constantly. Yeah. My guess, you know, maybe taking little cat naps here and there, but he's not staying in one place any, you know, for any amount of time. And he's probably in the middle of the damn woods somewhere. Mm-hmm. Well, it blows my mind how people can still remain incognito. When mm-hmm. everybody's looking for them. I don't them. think it's that hard, really. I guess not. Because you just can't be attached to anything yeah, or anybody. I suppose so. Which, I mean, when it comes down to it, given the fact that it is the 21st century, we rely so much on society to survive. You know, if the law doesn't get you, the elements will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. Like, I, I know of, of, of a kid who, you know, some, some people knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, locally that was shot last year mm-hmm. in his own home and the guy who did it we, no, no one has any fucking idea where he is you know what I mean he drove away no one has any idea where the fuck he is really yeah might have to find out about that one. Oh, you could be <laughs> double the hero how about that yeah, yeah. Okay. uh-huh I know that there would I mean, be a it lot so- of people. it sounds like something I would be really interested in you may have heard about it I don't know I don't, I don't want to use any names just out of respect for the family at this yeah. point but um we can talk about it afterwards yes mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and um I, I, I don't know. I, I think all of this is so interesting. And that's a big reason why I, you know, sort of, at least up until this point, I didn't do a, because I like to research my guests. I didn't do a ton of research, maybe because I know you, mm-hmm. but I didn't do a ton of research on exactly what you do because I want to have an organic conversation. I want to learn, you know, as much as anybody else. And this is great. Cool. So. This um, is very different. This is, out of all the interviews I've done, this is very different than the rest of them, which I like. How I think so? it's cool. I mean, like you said, it's just organic and and it's also a little bit because I, I knew you already. So have any of the other interviewers held your gun? No. No. Most <laughs> most <laughs> most of the other interviews were like over Zoom or Okay. Whatever. So Sure. Um yeah. Yeah, well, we haven't um, gotten the Zoom thing down yet, so um, we're just going to have to deal with person-to-person conversation now. I like this. Yeah. I was disappointed when I found out that I wasn't going to get to actually go 
interview in person with Access Hollywood. Yeah, you just weren't Access Hollywood. Yeah. What's that all about? What happened there? Oh, dude. Okay, so like my husband, who at the time we weren't married yet, but he um, he called me and he said something about it. And, I, and before he could even really say anything, I said, my high school crush said my name. Who? Mario Lopez. No shit. <laughs> Tony's laughing. Slater. Uh-huh. Slater said my name. That's like, awesome. What? I mean, he's not, you know, he's old now, but... Um, Whatever. But he's still Mario Lopez with those big, huge dimples. And he, yeah. yeah that love you could, of my like, life get lost in. 56, Monica Bellucci. I'm still madly in love with her. And you wouldn't know? you like your heart skip a beat if she said your oh, name? my you heart like... would stop beating entirely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Entirely. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you were, you, you were on Access Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Did you talk to Mario Lopez? No. Um, the, the lady that interviewed me, which now I feel bad. I don't remember her name because there's been a few interviews at this point, but... Um, she interviewed me and then, uh, Mario Lopez and, and the other gal, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't remember her name. (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, they just like played the clip and, um, and he said, uh, Mario said, these ladies are on next level. And, and then I kind of just kind of blacked out when he said my name. No shit. I'm like, what? That's really cool. (laughs) Yeah. So they reached out to you then. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Wow. So this really is the real deal. Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's definitely uh on the on the top 10 list of cool things I've done. Well, what's the next cool thing? Uh man, I got to sing with Ben Skill once. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you really are like a Nashvilleian. Yeah, um I guess you could say that. It was a uh, it was at his private golf tournament. And um and see, when I was doing almost everything goes back to that case in 2011. But when I was working that case, I was doing some fundraisers for the family. Mm-hmm. And um, Amy Grant and Vince Gill were two of my top contributors for items that I was selling, you know, auctioning off the silent auction for the funds for the family. And so I kind of got to know them a little bit. Um, which was really cool. I have a picture of Amy Grant teaching my son how to hula hoop. No way. Yeah, it was really neat. They're really down to earth people. That's They're awesome. Very, very cool. Um, you can just have a con. They don't seem like um, celebrities. You can just have like a normal conversation with them. As a matter of fact, boy, we're getting off topic, but this is really cool. Um, and it just shows what kind of people they are. And Amy. Sure. Um, you know, I was sitting at their kitchen table and I was telling Amy about the case. And at that time, they still hadn't found this girl's body, which mm-hmm. has since been found. And Are you talking about... Uh, convicted. Um, it's the Holly Bobo case. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. And Amy was asking me about it. And I was telling her, you know, how... Because um, I had been talking to the family pretty regularly. And I was telling her um, how hard, you know, Karen, Holly's mom was taking it and she was having a really hard time. And um, Amy felt so bad for her um, that she uh, she said, well, I have a private concert tonight at the factory in Franklin. Um, why don't you call her and ask her to come? You know, I'll give them VIP. And, you know, it's a very small private event, but, um, you know, and I said, well, I got a, I got a good idea. Why, why don't you call her? Why don't you, why don't you ask no her? No shit. And she did. And um, Karen, bless her heart, I still to this day, I just, I love that woman so much. And she, she's just a wonderful mom and a wonderful person. Um, but Karen 
I wouldn't do it because Amy Grant and uh, Vince Gill were two of Holly's favorite artists and she would not go to the event without Holly. And at that time, Holly hadn't been found. So she, wow. so she was like, well, you know, she told Amy when Holly comes home, you know, we'll, we'll come to one of your concerts. That's tragic and beautiful. It was, yeah, it's really tragic. Um, cause as you know, she never came home, mm-hmm. um, alive anyway. And so it was, you know, really and I don't believe they ever actually made it to one of Amy's concerts. But being the people that they are, Vince and Amy, were very empathetic to that family and were trying their best to kind of ease their pain a little bit. Sure. And you got to get on stage with them. I did. Oh, yeah. That's where this all started. Uh But um, so at the private golf tournament, um, which was quite some time after, you know, all the fundraising and everything, but Vince and Amy still knew me. I can call them Vince and Amy. Sure. But <laughs> well, you're on a first name basis. Yes, of yeah. course. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like Rascal Flats were, was there, and Lone Star, and you know, all the all these big. So they all got up and they sang. And Amy said um, that I could get up and sing too. You know, once everybody else had gotten up and done a song or two. Very end of the night, I was the last person, and oh my gosh, I'm such a bat sometimes. So I I really had to go pee. I really, <laughs> really had to pee. And I was trying, I didn't want to get called to stage, you know, and be in the bathroom because, you know, this was up at a t- in a tent up on the hill and the bathroom was clear down the hill in the whatever. I'm not a, you know, I don't belong to golf clubs, so I don't know what they actually call that area, but <laughs> whatever. So, um, so I went down to go pee and um, lo and behold, the, my fear came true. And Amy calls me to stage while I'm in the bathroom. I thought you were about to tell me you pissed your pants or something. No, that, that probably would have been better. <laughs> it Honestly, it probably would have been better than than this because um, my friend came running down and she's like, they're calling you to stage. They're calling you to stage. And I go running up and I said, I'm so sorry. Amy ended up singing a song, um, you know, because she's like, Heather, Heather, you know, crickets. You know, Rascal Flatts, all these, you know, big names just got up and saying they didn't make Amy Grant wait. But me, nobody knows who I am. You know, I'm just, you know, lucky enough to get a spot. And so I did get to um, go up and sing, even though I'd missed my call. What did you sing? Um, I sang Proud Mary and uh, Whoever's in New England. No shit. um, By uh, Reba McIntyre. That's really cool. And Vince played guitar for me and sang backup with me. Wow. Yeah, Vince Gill sang backup. That's super cool. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so anyway, that, this and, and that are probably the two most, you know, the coolest things, the the highlights of, of my life. That's really cool. Other than my children, other than giving, you know. Having, sure, sure. And you have how many kids? Three? I have three, but they're not really, you know, my two oldest aren't really kids anymore. Yeah, how old are they? Um, well, Haley was born in 95, so that I quit keeping track. She's like, what, what's that make her? 26? Uh, 20, yeah. Um, yeah, and she's got two kids of her own now, and she's married. And then Paige um, was in 99, so I think she's 20. Yeah, she's 22. Sure. Quit counting on her after 21. Yeah, of course. <laughs> if I keep counting their age, then I have to keep track of mine. And... Right, but you're 44, you said, and you still look great. You look beautiful. Oh, thank you. You know, you're you're aging like wine. <laughs> we... um. But so my girls are older and, um, and, and like I said, I have two grandkids and then, I can't, okay. That blows my mind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you hear about the hot grandmas, you know what I mean? <laughs> like to meet one in the flesh, it's like a celebrity. So 
<laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, my my husband says uh, calls me a gilf. I don't know if I should say that out loud. <laughs> well, just if you're going to go that far, <laughs> what, what is it? What does gilf stand for? We all know what milf stands for. <laughs> a grandma. I'd, I'd like, like to, to fog. Freak with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was hoping we could just say that at the same time. You no, know? you know me. I don't cuss. No. Mm, I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost, I almost made you do it. Yeah. No, I have a potty mouth. Sure. And, you know, that's a, um, I, I don't want that to sound like a condescending question by any means, but, you know, you say you have this ability to extract information out of people. Do you think it's because you are very attractive because you're hot? You know what I mean? And because people, like, they, they find it endearing. You know what I mean? Or, or because they, they want to trust you because I, for whatever psychological reason, it's like, you know, you're drawn in by somebody's attractiveness and therefore you, for, in a weird way, you trust them. I think it might be a combination of things. Mm-hmm. Um, not strictly that. I, I hope not. No, that's not what I'm getting at. Because obviously, you know, you have a personability and you have a tenacity with the way that you communicate and, you know, your work ethic first and foremost. But I mean, as far as garnishments to that, I can't imagine it. It hurts. You know what I mean? I think, you know, maybe my appearance might be a little bit disarming, you yeah. know, and, and maybe in some ways people don't really expect me to be all that intelligent, maybe. Mm. Um, <laughs> Unexpected. So, yes. yeah. And sometimes, honestly, it's, uh, it, it helps to play dumb. Sure. You know, playing dumb is a talent. So you're the good cop. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can be both. Yeah. But um, no, I think I, I am. I'm both. Sure. Um, what I, and, and it's um, a lot of it's probably discernment on you know what is going to get through like mm-hmm. you know reading people that's, exactly that's part of it like reading people okay is you know um, a, a softness genuineness a kindness mm-hmm. going to get through to this person or is being tough and you know kind of just bucking up and showing them like I'm not scared of you yeah. You know, which is going to work with this person. Sure. Sometimes you got to try one and that doesn't work. Try the other. Of course. Of course. And, you know, I learned that even in my job, you know, working with defiant kids um, is at times, you know, you have to do the Tony Soprano thing. But, <laughs> you know, it sounds pompous. But at other times it's, it's you know, listen, empathy is the name of the game in all in all walks of life, I think, at least to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I've been told that you catch more flies with honey as mm-hmm. opposed to vinegar. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people don't consider that. You know, they they want to feel like an alpha, you know, when it comes to being commanding of a situation. Um, and we've seen enough movies to, you know, want to believe or be inclined to believe that being tough and you know like mm-hmm. flexing your muscles in every situation is going to get you what you want but in reality it's that composure and it's that like we said before that camouflage element you know not to say that it's robbed by any means of sincerity because you also i think have to understand that this person is in pain you know what i mean and they are in a very tough position and no matter what the situation is whether the guilty innocent what have you is they're human and they fucked up and to ease some of that pain for one reason or another. Um, obviously, first and foremost, to get information, but also to make it more bearable for yourself and for them uh, is is a part that kind of goes unaddressed throughout right. the questioning process or, or the getting to know process. And you're clearly a very empathetic person because you became close to this person that you are on the defense team for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is, I think, also a testimony to the defense element 
uh, in the sense that you genuinely care about somebody. You know, it's it's not strictly for political or financial gain in the sense that you you, you will actually cry over this person mm-hmm. um, if it comes down to it. And that's awesome. You know, I think everybody should try mm-hmm. to just see people as humans, you know. Um, and that's what I try to do with this job, you know, like... I don't care if you're the president of the United States, which let's not go there, but <laughs> you know, I don't care. After, if, the, after the interview, <laughs> you and I can. <laughs> okay. But you know, I don't care if you're the president of the United States or, um, an ex convict or a janitor or a team, you know, whatever. Everybody's human. Mm-hmm. Everybody's made mistakes. Everybody has, you know, things they don't like to talk about from their past. I agree. Um, and just looking at people as a human, you know, that, you know, okay, this person's, um, made these bad choices in their life or they've been on this path. Um, you know, and there's, there's a difference between making excuses for people's behavior and just really taking into consideration, you know, the domino effect, the events that led them in that direction. I completely agree. Completely so, agree. You know, getting to know somebody and kind of, you know, just just looking at everybody as human and and thinking to yourself instead of oh that piece of shit, oh mm-hmm. that that junkie, that prostitute, that whatever. Yes. Like actually thinking to yourself, I wonder what happened to them. Yeah. You know, and that's what, a beautiful thing when you can be patient enough to actually do that, and furthermore, intelligent and intuitive enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's not excusing anything that they've done, but it's also, and I think this is a big thing too. Um, dismantling the tendency for a society um, and a media to build them up to be larger than life, more than human. And you saw this with Charles Manson. You know what I mean? Right. With, I mean, I read Helter Skelter when I was 16. And and I mean, the whole thing was like, you know, it built Manson up to be this demigod. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When mm-hmm. in reality, he was a sick, fucked up man. He right. was a sick, fucked up man who took an advantage of some sick people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And And by building somebody up to be more notorious than they or like strictly notorious, um, you're kind of, you're surmounting to their power mm-hmm. and, and, and there's a, there's an adverse effect to it all. And mm-hmm. I always look at this, you know, for true crime junkies out there, there's the helter skelter effect and the in cold blood effect, you know, Truman Capote wrote in cold blood about a murder that took place. And that's, Capote. oh, he's great. Have you read that book? Mm-mm. Oh, it's so fucking good. It's great. And you know what? It's written in this novel format in the sense that obviously these men committed these atrocious murders. It was mm-hmm. awful. You know, a friend gave that book to me a while back and um, I read it fucking four years ago, something like that. But um, there's also this element of humanity where we're kind of like you. Capote became rather close with one of these men mm-hmm. and he was able to humanize them and not by any means, to you know, uh, alleviate the caliber of their crimes. But also bear in mind, these are human beings. I saw the movie. Yeah, uh, and it's great. <laughs> Philip Seymour yeah. Hoffman, I love him. Um, and it was such an effective way to relay a true crime story. Oddly enough, was to look at these men as misguided human beings who, who just who messed up. You know what I mean? And, and I mean, there's obviously more to it than that. There's malintent and there's maliciousness and what have you. But it really does... Um, cut down on the hysteria of it all when you don't make them larger than life. You just look at them as the raw material of a human being that was misguided. And it's much more effective that way, I think. Yeah. And that kind of leads me to um, the intro of my book. 
is um, literally, it starts with talking about a dream that I had years ago. And, um, and it's, it's funny because I'm not, I'm absolutely not a Scientologist. Um, you know, I'm not in, into that. I get, I get all the stuff in the mail and whatever, and it goes straight in the trash. Like, sure. no, not interested. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise, you ruined it for everybody. <laughs> but um, <laughs> And then John Travolta saved it for everybody because he made it so much cooler. Right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, sorry, guys. Um, I probably shouldn't say controversial things like that, but it is the devil, you know. So exactly. Why not? Mm-hmm. Horns but, up. <laughs> but, uh, but, the, but the dream kind of actually falls into line with some of the Scientologists. Uh, Scientology belief, I believe. Sure. Um, and that is, so in this dream, I'm in a line and this line is just going on and on in uh, both directions for as far as the eye can see. And there's and there's one person in front of me in this line and I know I've been here for a very long time and there's this big building that looks kind of like a courthouse in front of me. And um, and as the, the person in front of me, who's a man, he gets to the front of the line and um, somehow I know that he is going in front of the judge of judges. He is going to meet his maker. It's it's the uh, what do you call judgment day? This is okay. very existential, yeah. very Freudian. Yeah, and um, and this is a real. I mean, this is a real dream that I had, and I mean years ago, but it, I'll never forget it. It was so profound to me. Um, it was a defining moment, and I think my whole morality and belief system um, changed the way I look at people. And so he gets to the front of this line and his life plays out on this huge projection screen for everybody to see. But it doesn't start with the day he took his first breath. It starts with the day he took his last. Oh. And it works backwards. So you're seeing all these horrible things he did. And he had spent most of his adult life preying on um, innocent people, doing bad things to women and children and, you know, whatever, just very, very rotten man. And I'm just, you know, you're standing there and you're thinking, oh, I hope this guy burns in hell, you know, what a terrible, you know, awful human being. And you're just, you know, feeling very judgy. I say you, but me, you know, just very judgy. And then as it goes, you know, further back and further back and he goes into his childhood and then you see these horrible things that were done to him as a child. And my dream ends with me falling to my knees and begging God, have mercy on this man for we have all been through hell. Mm -hmm. And that was it. You know, and it's like, it just was, you know, like I said, profound for me because it made me realize um, that we have all like, you know, I mean, I, I honestly think sometimes that we are and, you know, in hell, <laughs> you know, um, there are good things about, you know, life and whatever, but this it's a lot of strife and a lot of hardships. And I've seen a lot of people um, in just the most unimaginable amount of pain, you know, yeah. with my job. And um, I was the Tennessee State coordinator for Q Center for Missing Persons prior to becoming a PI. And one of the things I used to do was go to the annual um, convention every year. And one by one, all these families from across the country would get up and tell their horrific stories about their loved ones being, you know, either missing or murdered and, you know, and just these... And I just remember, and Monica Kaysen, she's the founder, and she used to have me sing every year um, for the convention. And um, it was very difficult, like just standing up there and feeling that energy and knowing that everybody in the audience was just like in the most, you know, like I said, unimaginable amount of pain. And it was really hard to sing and not, you know, um, I would I would leave that convention every year just sick as a dog, like mm-hmm. all of my energy gone, like I'm I'm physically sick. 
because it's so hard. But that's but we've all just we've all been through so much, yeah. you know. And that's why it's like you know if I can leave this podcast with one, you know, profound message, let it be like be nice. You don't know what what they've been through. You know, you don't know what this person has been through. Let's stop judging each other so harshly. Entirely, entirely, because you know, I, I I know I've done plenty to to be judged about myself and. Like never having sex, like being a virgin. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> never will. Mark my words either. <laughs> no siree. Uh-uh. Never. <laughs> Thank you guys it would, for... It would be... That would be a miracle and probably the best decision ever, but... Yeah, anyway. It'd be cold day in hell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh-huh. Um, but virginity aside, because um, I know I'm going to hell for plenty of reasons, but at least I'll know it's not for sex because no way. Um, if this is hell, I will say that if the world we live in is hell, I'll take it. You know, um, it's, it's really not so bad. And, uh, I, am very much looking forward to the show and I I hope that anybody who's been listening is as well. So it's going to be on the discovery channel. Is that right? It is currently streaming on discovery plus, but nonetheless, guys, Mm -hmm. this is Heather Cohen, C O H E N as if there was any mix-up, maybe two ways to spell Cohen. I'm sorry. <laughs> You'd be surprised how people spell it sometimes, though. My legal last name is Lacricchio, so... Okay, I don't even... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not going to try. Case not... in point. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, it's funny you say, like, I, 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 I feel like I'm Raven more than anybody else. Yeah. I'm Luke Holden. I forget my fucking legal name is not yeah. Luke Holden, you know? But if I'm I okay could legally that. change my name, I would, too. Oh, I guess I could, but, I mean, there's really no point in it. Yeah, but... there's no if. But, yeah, yeah I mean... I, I probably should have years ago changed my name to Raven because I'm not a Heather. Well, Heathers are like, oh my God. I mean, it's a great movie though. <laughs> Heathers is an awesome movie Yeah, from the 80s. Uh, so, well, hey, Raven, Heather, whatever. Um, check her out, guys. She's a really interesting person and um, clearly- And not schizophrenic. Uh, I can, can, can neither confirm <laughs> yeah, nor deny. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for being here. And uh, thank all of the personalities in your head too, as well. Um, all the voices, what have you. When I have time. Yes. <laughs> uh, Heather, it was so good to see you. Guys, check it out. What's the name of the show again? Secrets, Lies, and Private Eyes. Damn right. All right. We'll catch you guys next time. 